Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of opening your word. And so, Lord, as we continue our Parables and Miracles series, Lord, I pray that uh, the, the stories of God, the parables you told, God, would just deliver to us just uh, insights from your kingdom right into our hearts. God, share your secrets with us, we pray, and just bless us now. We want to see you in these stories, and God, we want to see ourselves rightly. God, so we ask you to come and move now as we open your word. We believe that your word is powerful. It can get to our hearts, God. God, we can't get to our hearts. Your word can. We ask that your word right now will do what you sent it out to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, just like I prayed, we are starting our, our continuing our Parables and Miracles a series today. Today, we're talking about the parable of the soils. Some of you know this as the parable of, of the seed or, or the seed and the sower. But this is really a parable not about a sower sowing seed and not about seed going out as much as soils that are able to receive the seed that the sower has sown. All right, so Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20 is where we're going to turn to today, and that's what I'm going to be basing out of. Uh, Mark uh, really covers, uh, in 20 verses, covers this really well. We also find this in Matthew 13, but we won't be going there today, and then Luke chapter 8. So the, uh, the synoptic gospels, all right, there's a theological word for you, Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, tackle this parable. This happens to be the very first parable that Jesus ever told. All right? So when you, uh, it's not the first miracle. Jesus did miracles before this, but it's the first parable that is recorded in the scriptures. And I am excited to work my way through this uh, passage. Um, I, I want to set the context first, and actually, the, the passage itself does that. So let, let me read here in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses, uh, verses 1 and 2 here for a moment. Here, here's what it says It says, Again, he, that's Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. How many people know that Jesus loves the sea, all right? I love the sea, all right? I love the ocean. He began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd, very large crowd, gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat, it, and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Look at verse 2. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, and then we stop. That's verses 1 and 2. This is setting the scene. This is putting it in context. A couple things here. He says sea a lot. This is not the Mediterranean Sea. I think sometimes we think of when, it, when we think of the sea, when we read it in the Bible, we think the Mediterranean and we think all of that. This is not the Mediterranean Sea. This is the Sea of Galilee. So you have to come inland, miles, all right? And it's a, it's a much smaller body of water. It's really like a big lake. It is the Sea of Galilee, not the Mediterranean. And then it says that, that Jesus sat in a boat. There's such a large crowd there that he had to get out in a boat so they wouldn't kind of press in on him. He had to, he had to uh, get out in a boat so he could address the whole assembly. But he's sitting. Uh, sitting is uh, a word that I would usually skim over, but as I was studying this, uh, it came to my attention that sitting is the posture of rabbis and teachers back in the day. So he's not standing like this today. He's actually sitting. Um, and then he's teaching in parables. Now, we've been speaking for weeks on, the, on parables, but we've never really defined what a parable is. Did you know that? And so here's a, a parable in, in more uh, 
In more high and lofty terms, let's start there. A parable is communicating through a narrative analogy in order to teach a lesson. Now, that's how smart people would uh, describe a parable. How many people are just real people here with me today? Here's how I would describe a parable. I'd say a parable is a story with a message, all right? So it's a story with a message. So here Jesus, it says that he is, he is teaching through parables. So in other words... Often, not always, but often, this is how Jesus taught. In other words, Jesus taught by telling stories. Now, that is silly to me because I went through about eight years of theological training and never in Christian institutions, Moody Bible Institute, Lancaster Bible College, all these, pla all these places, never do they teach you to teach in parables. Always do they teach you to teach uh, expository sermons. In other words, take the, take the passage and work your way down through it, word by word, line by line, verse by verse. Now, the irony in this is while that is not bad, Jesus never once did that in the entire Bible. <laughs> so I just had to say it uh, because it is an observation. If you're, if you're properly reading the scripture and you will never find a place where Jesus did that, Jesus often opened the Old Testament and said, this is talking about me. This is talking about me. But you see way more. Jesus is a storyteller telling parables. And, but these parables were, were, had a message in them. And do you know what we, we see? And I'm going to skip ahead just for a moment, but this is a great place to share this. The reason Jesus is sharing parables is not because he's trying to put the cookies on the lower shelf, so to speak. All right? He's actually, it, it, when we read through this a little bit more, we'll find that he's telling parables so those who do not have ears to hear won't hear. All right? But those who do have ears to hear will hear. So he has laced in his supernatural stories secrets of the kingdom for those with ears to hear, to hear. All right? So he's not, he's not getting church growth on us. He already has large crowds. He's not trying to be user-friendly here. He's, he's trying to speak in such a way that people who have ears to hear would hear what he's saying, and then the other people would leave confused. All right, hopefully hungry, but very confused. All right, so this is how Jesus taught. And the, the irony of it is, is we actually teach against this way today. So I, I'm just saying this as a pastor. I want us to rightly handle the word of truth, all right? But you can do that with the use of parables and stories, all right? And so then we also see that uh, there's a very large crowd. And it's not just a large crowd, it's very large. We don't have a number on this, uh, but it is large enough that Jesus is, is forced off the beach into a boat. So it's a large crowd. And I'm just thinking about this large crowd this morning, and I'm thinking, let's say this is maybe thousands of people. In other places in the scripture, when a large crowd gathers, like with the, the feeding of the 5,000, they only ever counted the men, all right? So it was 5,000 men, and then if you add wives and children and the women and stuff too, we're talking about maybe 15,000, 20,000 people. So let's just say there's thousands of people here that have gathered to hear Jesus, and I'm thinking about the needs in the very large crowd. How many needs do you think there were? Well, zillions. Many, many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of need. Surely in the crowd, there were people that needed to be healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Surely in the crowd there were relationships that needed to be restored, forgiveness that needed to, be uh, uh, that needed to happen, friendships that needed a bridge built back that was burned. 
Surely in the crowd there were, uh, there were moms and dads that didn't know how to parent their kids and kids that wished their parents weren't their parents. Uh, surely in the crowd there were marriages that were breaking or broken. And there's all kinds of needs in this crowd. Broken marriages, financial obstacles, there must have been in this crowd. Bodies in need of healing. You just make a list. I'm sure that all the needs were represented in this crowd. But what really gets me when this very large crowd assembles and Jesus takes the position of a rabbi and sits in front of this crowd and opens his mouth to tell stories, the content of his story is not everybody who needs healing physically getting this line, everybody who has a broken marriage getting this line. He does not do that in this case. What he sees is the heart of the real matter that's going on here in Mark chapter 4. And what he decides to talk about when he's surrounded by a large crowd full of need is the kind of heart that can receive his word. That's interesting. That's interesting. Do you know that you can, get, uh, you can get your body healed and still have a heart that can't receive God's word? You know that? Do you know you can get your marriage healed? Do you know there's lots of spiritual things that can happen? The Lord can touch you in multiple ways. And so many of us, you know, this is our testimony. I grew up in church and God touched me. And I remember the day when I went front and I prayed the prayer and I did all these things. And I felt fire. But our hearts somehow are not there anymore. Our hearts are resistant to God's word, bored with God's word, tired of God's word, used to his word, familiar with it, and something is happening here. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's like, you know what matters the most if we're going to get to the heart of the issue? The heart of the issue is the heart of you, the people that I'm speaking to. And so we begin to see that Jesus breaks into, in the, next, in the next verses in Mark chapter 4, he breaks into a story where he is speaking. Listen, Jesus is speaking a parable, but the genius of Jesus, he's speaking a parable that has so many different ramifications. If you're lost without Jesus and don't believe he's the Messiah, there, there's news for you in this story. If you're a Pharisee that loves your man-made laws more than God himself, there, he's talking to you. But if you are someone in his kingdom that wants to follow him and you put your faith and your trust in him... There's still stuff for you in the story. It's multidimensional and faceted. All right? So here we go. This is the parable of the soils. And Jesus shares this. Let me, let me read verses 3 to 9, three to nine and, then, and then we'll talk about this. Jesus says this, listen. Now, I don't know. I'm reading now the English Standard Version. I don't know what translation you brought. But there's an exclamation uh, point after that word. All right? That's something to take note of. It doesn't happen often in the scripture. So listen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Look at verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And look at verse 9. And he said, that's Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I want to talk about that for a moment, but I want to to first talk about the very first thing that Jesus says in verse 3. He says, listen, exclamation point. So here's what this is. This isn't isn't a shame festival. He's not like, listen, 
like I talk to my dog champ, all right? That's how I talk to him. He responds very well. He's very sad when I talk to him like that. That's not how you talk to people, though, all right? This is not, I think some people, I think when you read the scriptures, the voice in your head is an angry God just coming down on you and shaming you into obedience. I just want to tell you, that is the enemy. That is how the enemy works. God does not use shame to get you to obey. You can't obey via shame. It's not powerful enough. You see? All right? This is, you know what this listen is? This is listen. This is, this is like, listen! I've got a phenomenal parable for you. I've got phenomenal truth that I want you to hear. So listen to me. Take this in. So here's what this listen is. It's an invitation to hear. So that's how he starts. And then he ends his parable in verse 9. He he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want you to hear this. Do you hear that cry in Jesus' heart? What I'm saying, I don't want you to miss. I don't want it to be stolen. Please open the, listen, the ears of your heart to hear what I'm saying. Now, he who has ears to hear, it's a strange thing to say. This is not referring to physical ears that hear physical sounds. This is, this is, this is referring to uh, to spiritual ears that hear spiritual messages. Physical ears that hear physical sounds register those sounds in the brain, and you can kind of understand at least on a brain level. But spiritual ears hear spiritual realities and register those otherworldly realities in the heart, you see. This is the kind of listening, this is the kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about. And the the beauty of this is is you can be deaf physically and hear spiritually. Okay, this is not about physical hearing. This is about somehow, in a supernatural way, we have to hear the, the physical frequencies and they have to get to the head and the heart so you hear with your spiritual ears. That is the kind of uh, hearing, that is the kind of listening that Jesus is desirous of. He wants us not just to hear a message and say, yeah, I've heard that before, yeah, I understand that, but he wants us to get into us, into us. It's like I used to study in school. I would cram, cram, cram. I would learn just enough to to pass a test. But then when I leave that test, it didn't matter to me anyway. I couldn't tell you how to do, you know, know, quantum mechanics or even algebra anymore, all right? I I passed tests, but I didn't really know it. And this is a I want you to know it kind of hearing, the kind of hearing that would change you from the inside out. I think that so many of us have heard about God so many times with physical ears only. Especially if you've grown up in the church. You can kind of, you turn yourself off in in moments like this because you're like, man, teach me something new. I've heard this parable so many times. It's like the 17th time I know this parable. And I would just say, if you heard with your spiritual ears, you would never even think that. You know what you would think? Tell me again, I want a new spiritual reality. I want another taste of Jesus. I want to drink more deeply of him. Right? People that hear with their spiritual ears, like you can hear the same story. You can read the Bible from cover to cover a thousand times and, and just see something new every single time. You're just so desirous of God. That is how someone who hears with spiritual ears hear. Physical ear hearing is just the church is full of it. Like they just like, tell me something new. Tell me something new. It might as well be like world history or something. All right? I, I, I've heard that before. 
Like, there's some things that you can't hear enough. And Jesus is speaking this again. And then we go to verses 10 and 12. I love verses 10 and 12 because it kind of, uh, it kind of shoots our initial idea of why Jesus taught in parables right down. I've heard so many times, well, Jesus is putting, like I've already said, Jesus is putting the cookies on the lower shelf, and that is not what he's doing. Look at, look at uh, verses 10 through 12. It says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Look at verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Then he quotes Isaiah chapter 6. So that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's strange. Is it not? Jesus is not putting the cookies on the lower shelf so people that only have physical ears can understand. He is actually, he is actually doing something much, much different. In other words, here's what a parable does. A parable actually hides truth from some. And it offers truth to others. It hides truth from crowds that were there to get something other than Jesus. And then offers truth to disciples who are like, tell me more about what you were saying. That has intrigued me. Here's, here's all I can tell you about this. Because I, I know here we've gathered where Jesus Church, we, we want to be a part of the other crowd. I would just say, take what you've heard and take it back to Jesus and say more, please. Can you tell me more? If you're like, okay, know it, I know it, I know it, I heard, I heard, I heard, but Jesus didn't heal me, Jesus didn't do this. Like, hold hold on. The secret of the kingdom is you get to know the king. Do you want to know the king? Or do you just want to be tantalized by by, by a performance? All right? So, so Jesus, the purpose of the parables is actually, man, it, is, it actually has this, this, uh, this almost separating effect. But the cry of the heart of God is not to separate. The cry of the heart of God is that everybody would listen and hear with their heart. You see this? Both are in operation here. This parable, this parable actually has kingdom secrets in it. It's not to dumb down the message so anyone can understand it. It actually does the opposite. It actually says, if you don't understand what I just said, you must have spiritual ears, and you don't get spiritual ears by trying and effort. You get spiritual ears by power and grace, and you've got to have it. Now, the, now Jesus goes to his disciples, and he explains the parables. Look at this, uh, starting with verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Don't you love Jesus' questions? Huh, that's a good point, Jesus. You must be smart. Uh, Look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. Look at verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Look at 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately re- receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Look at 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, let's look at verse 20. 
But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. That's the explanation of the parable that Jesus, Jesus didn't do that for the crowd. Jesus did this for his disciples. And it gives us insight. They're like, hey, Jesus, more. He's like, okay, I got more for you. I got more. Okay, so I want to, let's break this down a little bit. First, that the sower sows the word. So I'm taking the sower to be Jesus, or I'm taking the sower to be anyone in Jesus' kingdom that, that, that preaches and declares and delivers the word of God, the heart of God in the kingdom. All right. In this case, I think it's Jesus, but I, I think that it could extend to just, just ambassadors of Christ, sowing the word of God into the world, the kingdom word of God. So the sower sows the, the word. So the seeds are the word. The sower are the declares of the word of God. You see that? So, so the seeds that are wanting to be planted in the soil is actually the word of God. That's what the word of God wants to do. That's the assignment that God, that God put in the word as, as he sends it out. It's like get into hearts and grow. All right? So, so uh, anyone ministering the word, okay, is sowing, and the, the word of God is, is the seeds in this parable. Now, the seed or the word of God falls on, on four different soils in this story and in this parable, and the first one is the path. And here's what I'm calling the path. I'm calling the path um, uh, hard hearts, Okay? How many know if you've got a very large crowd or even a crowd like this today, there's got to be some people in the crowd that you've got a path for a heart. In other words, uh, other people have walked on your heart so much that your heart has just become hard or bitter or angry or something other than receptive to the word of God. All right? And no longer is your heart ready to receive. It's pressed down. Ugh. It's, it's a hard heart. So this is, this is a heart that has not been cultivated to receive the seed. And what happens is when you get a hard heart is that Satan immediately comes to steal the word that was sown. All right? So the, the word falls on the hardness of the path. It is not loose soil ready to receive. The, the word of God falls on, falls on a, a hard heart. And then the enemy comes, and the enemy in this story is the birds. And, and the, the birds come and they eat the seed. Or, the, or Satan comes and he, he steals the word that, that, was, that was deposited to you. Now, this almost sounds like, oh, that, that may be happening in Jesus' time, but it doesn't happen today. I'm telling you this, like, that Satan, is, is not, Satan does not change his tactics all the time. Still, he is a robber, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and from the garden he's been doing this, and he's still doing this today. When you hear the truth, all right, and in your mind you can say, I heard that, but what he comes is he doesn't come and steal from your mind. He comes and steals from your heart, and he takes the word that was sown away because he desires to rob you blind. And many of us don't know that we've been robbed by the enemy. We just call it forgetfulness. I just forgot. Do you know that the easiest heart to rob, biblically speaking, is a hard heart? This is why Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. You must guard your heart. You can't have it be a hard heart where the enemy can steal everything good that I give. So the easiest heart, guys, if you are here today and you've got an angry heart or a bitter heart or an unforgiving heart or some other kind of heart that, that does not easily receive God's word, listen, you are, you're the you know, primary target, number one, for the enemy under the preaching of the word for the enemy to come and steal from. 
Anybody tired of being stolen from? Shouldn't, you know, if we want to be angry at something or someone, let's stop being angry at people that God loves and let's start being angry at the enemy of Christ, the devil who only wants to steal from you. Man, there's a holy indignation that we need to have towards him. But we need, man, do we need to let go of other stuff that is causing our heart uh, to get hard. I call this sometimes, I call this the, and I, I'm, I'm borrowing this terminology from someone, I don't know who, but I've heard this expression, it's the battle after the battle, okay? I, I've found that in my life, it's the battle after the battle that I am where I am most susceptible to be stolen from. Okay, so sometimes like on a Sunday, you come and maybe God is ministering to you. Maybe you were even at the front uh, in tears. Maybe God was, was warming your heart for the first time in ages as you sat there. Maybe like two weeks ago, remember we all jumped like, like madmen and women, amen? It's my favorite day in church. I loved it. I Listen, for the record, that's how I think church should be, all right? My calves are 12 times stronger. I jumped for 20 minutes, all right? It was, man, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And you know what can happen, though? When you, when you give all you've got to God, that is the battle. You're giving. You're preaching. You're worshiping. You're giving God everything. Then you go, and by Sunday night, you just want to watch TV, you're just like, oh, yeah, that kind of happened. It was kind of neat. It's a good memory. But you're right back. That Listen, the battle after the battle. And I think that too many times the battle, battle after the battle is, is nice wording for you got, you got robbed. No longer is the seed like burning in you. You got robbed. Oh, man, when God, pre when, when God shares the word with us and plants stuff in our hearts, listen, we guard that deposit. We guard the deposit. So the, anyway, so that is, a, that is the path or a hard heart. And then we've got rocky ground, which I'm just calling today, it's a shallow heart. It's a shallow heart. All right? We see here that the seed in a shallow heart, uh, or the, the word of God in a shallow heart, it springs up fast, but it has no depth. And since it has no depth, it really has, it doesn't have a good root system. How many of us know that a tree or a plant without a good root system, when the wind blows, it's going to be uprooted and come out of the ground? Or in this situation, when the sun comes out, if you can't get down to the nutrients deeper in the soil, all right, you're just going to be fried. And this is what's happening here. This is, this is uh, speaking to a, a person who you believe quickly, yes, you head to the front, woo, you're excited, ha, right? Those are all Hebrew terminology uh, expressions there if you miss those, all right? But here's what happens, here's what happens. It, it's, this is like fair weather worship. As long as it's easy and cost me absolutely nothing, I'm good, I'll be happy. But the second my life gets difficult, or the second, for the sake of the word, I start being persecuted. You just count me out. That's not what, and this is a, a, talking about a person who, who signed up for something easier than it actually is. So you start getting persecuted because of the word. You lose your job at work. You lose your friends at school. Difficulty arises. Or something happens in your family, you can't pay a bill, and you're like, God, listen, I went up front, I was jumping for you. If this is how you're going to treat me, then I'm out. Oh, what were you, what were you doing? This is it's, uh, it's fair weather faith. As long as the conditions are comfortable, I trust God. But I don't trust them enough to, to stand in the face of trial, like the greats throughout the centuries before us. 
You know, I, I can't think of one person that made history, kingdom history, that they just had it so easy that they couldn't fail. All right, guys, I'm not talking about gospel stuff. I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about loving God so much that he's better for you in a trial than anybody else has you know, on, their, on their greatest day. I'm just, I'm just, that's where I'm talking about a heart thing here, guys. I'm not talking about how to get saved. This is, this is not talking about that, in my opinion. This is talking about what can happen to your heart so you stop receiving what would make you fruitful in the kingdom. All right? So this is it's a, a rocky ground or a, a shallow heart where, listen, when you come to faith in Jesus, just get ready. You're going to be on the enemy's radar. He's going to try to rob you blind. He's going to try to turn up the heat. And it's the people. I, I can name people in this church that when trial came, they stood and got more grounded in Christ than they ever even thought possible. And they're standing today despite the heat, Right? So when the sun comes out, these are people, like the, the people that actually came and they really what they wanted was, was ease and, and just the difficulties of life just threw them off course. But here's the, here's the, the other place where some seed fell or the word of God falls. It, it, some of it falls among thorns, all right? I'm calling this a crowded heart. So we've got a, we've got a hard heart. We've got a shallow heart. Here's a crowded heart. And these are the people that hear the word of God, but it's not the loudest voice, it's another voice. It's not the only voice. And they kind of take the word of God and they add it to their collection. And got, I've got Egyptian ragweed here. I've got uh, that kind of weed here. I've got that kind of weed there. And here's a nice little mustard seed from Jesus that I'll plant among the rest. Oh. So what happens is, is they, they never repent. And they never clear out all the stuff that I was, uh, I was growing ragweed. And I thought it was cool. Hey, let's get rid of that and make space. I want one seed now. It's a kingdom seed. It's Jesus' seed. That's all I want. That's all I need. Well, these are people that added the word of God to their crowd. It's a crowded heart. You hear the word, but it's not the loudest voice in your heart. The loudest voice. And here's, here's the, the weeds that are growing. Uh, worry weeds or cares of the world. Weeds that I, I'm so concerned about what's going on in the world. I'm so concerned what's going on in, in the schools. I'm so concerned with, with can I pay you know, the bills. I'm so, I've got so many concerns that I, there's almost no space for God. And then we've got, we've got uh, you know, the deceitfulness of riches weeds. And this is not saying that being rich is sinful. This is saying that you can believe the false promises of money more than God. Okay? And when you believe the false promises, like all I need is another 10 grand. All I need is another raise. All I need is that new job. All I need is the new house. And then I'll finally be happy. Listen, money was never made to make you happy, all right? Jesus promises to be your joy. And he wants to bless you, I think, ridiculously. I think there's more blessing to be received than we know. But here, here's, you're actually putting riches and the, the smaller promises of riches in place of God. And listen, their promises are drowning out the big one. And then you've got the, uh, just the desires for other things. You see that there in the passage, in the scripture? So other stuff is just more of a treasure to you. So you know, God's good. Like I wanted to plant him in my garden amongst the rest, but he's not good enough or he's not enough of a treasure to get rid of all the rest 
and just have him. I just, there's other things that I like more than Jesus. There's a desire for other things. Those are the weeds that grow in a heart. Now, the fourth soil is the good soil. And I'm just calling this, well, we've got a hard heart. We've got a shallow heart. We've got a crowded heart. I'm just calling this a receptive heart. It's, it's a heart that when truth is dropped from the Holy Spirit, when, when, God, when God tosses out his word and it, it lands in our heart, this is, this is a receptive heart, meaning it, it's prepared for that moment. Boom. It's able to hear, not just with the head, but also with the heart, and then accept. Um, the Gospel of Luke says, uh, describes it like this, that, that it, it, it holds the word of God fast. Holds it fast. So in other words, when, when, when Jesus says, hey, I've got something for you. Here's a seed of my word. I'm depositing this. You take the word as, as a treasure from Jesus that helps you know more, and you, you embrace it like, like it's a cherished, prized possession in your heart. You don't add it. You know, it's, nothing's better than it. You're holding on to it, embracing. Like, it's like you're clinging to it, and you're like, never, I'll never let you go kind of cling here. All right? Like it's the first thing that ever made any sense kind of thing. Like, wow, yes, that can go and that can go. And oh, God, I just forgive whoever I need to forgive. I just don't want to lose this. This is life. It's interesting that when, when everybody is leaving Jesus, because he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And everybody's leaving. They're like, that is a hard saying. And then Jesus comes to the 12 and he says, you guys going to leave me too? Peter says, where else would we go? You alone have the words or the seeds of eternal life. There's, there's, hey, hard or not, there's nothing else real for us to embrace. You see this? That is having a receptive heart. It's, and, and this is the only heart that bears fruit. This is the only heart that bears kingdom fruit. Now, let me talk two things about fruit, and then I'm going to wrap this up. But here's the first thing is that Jesus wants fruit. All right, um, I, I, I spoke very briefly two weeks ago on the, um, on the, the tree, the fig tree that, that looked like it should have been bearing fruit, but there was no fruit on it, and so Jesus curses it. All right, and then here in this passage, Jesus is, is saying, hey, I, I want fruit. I want like a 30-fold harvest out of you, 60-fold, 100-fold harvest. I want a supernatural life coming out of yours. That's what, I, that's what I want. I want fruit. But here's the other thing that, that number two is that while G, uh, number one is Jesus wants fruit, number two is fruit is not produced by trying to produce it. You hear this? So my, my concern is, is, in the, is in the conservative, evangelical, charismatic church. We hear a message, we're gonna, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to try. I'm going to really dig deep. I'm going to like, wait. That, that is not the call here. The call, nowhere in the scriptures does it say try to produce fruit. And in this passage, in this parable where there's, there's secret kingdom treasures for us to receive, nowhere are we called to receive the treasure of trying. All right? This is about receiving, not trying. Listen, receiving, not trying. The kingdom secret. The world does not know the secret. All right, they hear messages like this and they're like, I'm going to try harder. I know I can do better. If I just dig deep and get a life coach, I know I can do this. No, you can't. God is not looking for you to try hard. You will never be able to try hard enough. 
What God wants you to do is he wants you to receive. How do you receive so you can bear fruit? All right? If, if fruit is not produced by effort, how is it produced? Well, the, it's produced by the cultivation of your heart. That is the call, guys. That is the call. Do you know in this passage, we've got, we've got you know, the, the, the hard path, and we've got the shallow soil, and we've got the, uh, the, the, the weedy soil, and then we've got the good soil. Which one was pre-prepared to receive? What's the good soil? That's all they did. They were like, let's plow so we can receive. Right? You know, all, all the... the um, all the, the thorny soil needed was a good plowing, right? You know what the rocky ground needed? Good plowing. There's rocks under there. Let's, let's, like, let's get them up. Let's get ready to receive. You know what the path needed? An awesome plow. Let's, you know, the best team of oxen. Let's, I know this is hard, but, man, it's going to be worth it. Let's, 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 let's do, let's, let's, get, let's cultivate the soil of our hearts so we're ready to receive. No matter what's happened, okay, there are weeds. Plow them up, all right? My heart's too hard. No, it's not. Plow them up, all right? Like, hey, I'm too shallow. Let's dig deeper. Let's plow. Listen, this is all. Let's, we don't, our, our, our goal is not to, is try to force fruit into our life. Our goal is, listen, above all else, guard your heart, Guard your heart. This is, God is, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth, not for people who have the best effort and who are the best triers. The eyes of the Lord are ranging throughout the earth looking for hearts, hearts that are just ready to receive. So listen, fruit comes as the result of having a heart that receives God's word through faith. Seeds grow not by effort, but seeds grow supernaturally. You don't have to do a thing. Like it's, it's the mystery of it's the mystery of the kingdom. You put some seeds out there. If you're planting grass seed in your lawn, you water it, put some straw over it, and they grow. You don't have to. You don't. Have, they just grow, guys. You don't have to will them. They just grow. You prepare the conditions of your heart and they grow. Like seeds grow supernaturally when received by good soil. And so, so guys, here's, here's what I was thinking when I was, if you know anything about church history, here's what, what was in my mind as I was studying down through this. I was thinking about Charles Finney. Do you guys know Charles Finney? He's, he's one of the key revivalists in the Second Great Awakening, all right? He, he, was, he was such a lover of God. That, that sometimes he'd walk into a room and the, his eyes burned like fire and people would just repent for seeing him, all right? Don't you, man, don't you want to be like that? This is, that's, not, that's not like some kind of weird story. That's, that's fact. That's, there's a man that burned with the fire of God so much that people wanted to, re, wanted to repent just when they looked in his eyes. Man, sign me up. Get me in that lane, please. We need power today, not persuasion. We need power today. All right? Listen, so, so much we're trying to persuade people not to plant weeds in their heart. It never works. See, the, the power of persuasion stinks. What do we need? What we need is we need power today. And here's, here's, what, uh, here's the, the message, one of the passages of Scripture that Charles Finney preached on that, that sparked revival 
in America, it's Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. It's not on the screen. Just listen to me. I'm, I'm going to speak in a very, very uh, uh, uncle-ish voice right now. You're going to love this. All right? Are you ready to get this? Listen. It's just this. Break up your fallow ground. You hear this? Break up your fallow ground. And so not among thorns. That was it. Break up your fallow ground. Or fallow ground is, you know what it is? It's unplowed ground. And do you know what unplowed ground or fallow ground is? It's, it's, a, it's a heart that just hasn't repented. That's what it is. It's a heart that's still hard because someone wronged you and did something bad to you and you're holding on to that as your treasure. It's a heart that's, that's uh, not deep, it's shallow enough saying, hey, God, I'll follow you, but you better make it easy. Oh, you didn't make it easy? Okay, hasta la vista. All right, hey, God, I'll, I'll follow you, but you've got to be one of many, not the one and only. All right, so I'm just going to kind of put you in my heart. But if you're not cool with being uh, uh, among the many, if you have to be the one and only, this, this you know, you know la vista, number two. And here, here uh, Charles Finney came saying, hey, no, no, this Jeremiah is, is preaching back in Jeremiah's day to Judah. He's saying, no, no, no. Listen, what you need is you need repentance. Break up your fallow ground. Don't sow among, uh, among thorns. Break it up. Plow the, plow the heart. Cultivate your heart so it can receive. God's not going to get fruitfulness out of a life where he has to share with others. All right? You, you don't give your heart to God with conditions. It's no conditions. I just trust you. I just trust you. And how many of us here today are like, we're, we, we'd almost, we would rather have a faith that depends on our effort than repenting and preparing our heart to be a place where God can plant whatever he wants to plant in us. Guys, th this is what God's calling us back to. This is the secret of the kingdom that Jesus is preaching as his very, very first parable. He's like, he's like, whether you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're young, whether you're old, what we need before we have lines here for other things is we need hearts that can receive what God is doing when he shows up. So that we're, we're not just like, oh, that was cool. I'm watching other people just get zonked, just get laid out before God, just getting touched by God. I'm watching other people cry and other people jump and other people laugh. It's just, it never does a thing for me. If it, if it never does a thing for you, here's what I would say. I would just say, man, just, just by the grace of God, just begin to welcome in a heart of repentance, God. I don't have an affection for you. I feel nothing for you. I like other things more than you. I like drugs more than you. I like money more than you. I like, I like other stuff more than you, Jesus. What an insult to you. And just let, man, just let the, the Holy Spirit plow go through all the stuff you've been hiding under the hardness. You've been trying to put off an air of spirituality, but really what you have is you are angry and you know it. Let, let the plow go through. Let the plow go through. Sundays is easy to, to look like you love God more than everything else. But man, you, you spend more time on a, you know, on, on a phone than you. Listen, I, I'm not going to shame here. I think the Holy Spirit will just show. I'm just saying, let the plow go through. The, it's, it's a kind plow. It's a power plow, but man, is it kind. It's like, this is going to be good for you. This is going to bring health to you. This is going to bring life to, your, to you, your whole life. It may seem hard for a moment, but you've got to let this repentance plow go through and you've got to cultivate your heart 
when, when God moves, and he's moving, guys. The tide's coming in. He's moving. The winds of the Spirit are blowing. Like, man, God, God is doing stuff. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. There's so many things going. And how many of us would say here uh, that, that we're not okay with missing that? I, like, I, I'm not okay with missing the move of God in my day. I'm not okay with missing the move of God in my generation. Guys, now is the time to cultivate your heart so you're ready to receive. You're not going to be able to fake it when it comes for long. All right? All right? And I, I think there's going to be so much joy, but it's going to be hard. I think we're getting ready to go into days where there's going to be persecution. And we better have roots into Jesus that's better than temporary trials. And we've got to, man, we've got to, you know, you know what? You know what standing during hard persecution shows? Jesus is better than anything on this earth, including my, my convenience. All right? So many of us, we, we just need to, we need to shelf or just cast out like, you know, we're fighting for our rights. We're fighting. Listen, listen, the, the, our, our rights are first in the kingdom. We're sons and daughters of God. Like, you know, like we, we've got to make sure we're ready to stand for this first. And so here, guys, I'm just, I'm just wondering if you've got places in your heart, maybe they're weeds, maybe you actually love things more than God. Man, I, I know, I, you know what? I've, I've dabbled in all of these, including the fourth. Man, there's been some, some times in my life where I could receive anything from anyone that had even just was, had Jesus on it remotely. I was just like, oh, yes, and it produced fruit. And there'd be other times in my life where I just let other things get in. And there'd be other times in my life where I was just like, okay, God, like I didn't know it would hurt that much. It's interesting, this is the, this is the 16th birthday weekend, and if I had known how bad Providence would hurt over 16 years, I don't think I would have done it, all right? Yeah, but, but you, you sign up and you say yes, not based on if it's going to hurt or not. It's just if it's on God's heart, you just do it, and he's going to supply the grace and the power. And then, and then, man, the hard heart. Maybe some of you have let other people walk on you and walk on you, and your heart has, instead of becoming, instead of your heart being a garden, it's a path for others. You just let people walk on you, and you've gotten to the place of bitterness, all right? Man, this is a day that we can let the plow go through, all right? But let's just do this for a moment. Why don't we stand to our feet for a second? I see a few of you falling asleep. We don't want that, all right? Let's just stand to our feet for a second, and let's just put our hands out like this, and let's just say, Holy Spirit, just plow my heart. Whatever's not of you, evict. Make my heart ready to receive all that you have for me. All that you have for me, keep saying it, is better than all the world would promise me. We repent of the stuff of the world and we receive Jesus again as our treasure. God, this is what we want. Just touch people. Touch people, God, with your power. Touch people with your power. I just pray that even in these moments, just pray like, oh, man, just uh, heat. Like Charles Finney said, it was like, man, when he, he encountered you, he's like, it was like uh, a love bath, a warm love bath on his head, all over his body for hours. And it just captured his heart. God, would you do that today? Would you mess people up for small lovers today? Would you set aside their hearts for just you, King Jesus? Holy Spirit, we can't do this on our own. We've got to have the power of the Spirit in these days. So Holy Spirit, just come and move. Just come and move in these days. We just bless you, and we love you, and we jump for you, and we shout for you, and we kneel for you, and we just say, God, just let the plow go through. Every single place in our heart that is not of you, we just, man, we would just release it right now. 
Let us be a fruitful people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org. Thank you.